Welcome to Energy Stew. This is Peter Roth, your host. And I'd like to ask you, how often do you experience synchro destiny in your life? Every day? <laughs> Every month? Well, I hope often enough. <laughs> and to help us understand how amazing synchro destiny is, is a woman who I recently met. I'm very excited to know her. She really has studied this and and uh, and talks about it in her book. Um, and um, I don't have the title in front of me, um, but it's about Victoria, <laughs> who we know as Vicky, and she'll um, and and she has a little sign I see on her Zoom thing saying "Power of the Dream." So, um, and dreaming might even excite more synchro destiny in our lives. So let's talk to Vicki Jeter. Vicki, welcome to Energy Stew. Good morning, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting. Well, I read your book and it's quite a story. And, and it's a story about how things have worked in your life or not. <laughs> And uh, it didn't start off well. <laughs> it was uh, trouble getting out of the womb. And, mm. um, and you've been handicapped by it um, in your life and, and have been a champion of, of yourself and, and uh, any potential supposed limitations <laughs> mm -hmm. because you're an amazing, uh, an amazing healing path. And and yet your life has taken many interesting turns and and interesting relationships and and so you you've learned a lot about how things come together or not. So can you bring us up to date? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, first, let me just say that the title of my story through the book is "Call Me Victoria: Life Poems and Stories from Trial to Triumph." And uh, so absolutely, all of those things you said, I think a place to start would be that when we talk about synchro destiny, that's like synchronicity exponential. And so um, the way synchronicity begins is with simple synchronicities. And most people by now, I think probably, especially in your audience, have probably at least been familiar with that term. But even when we're familiar with synchronicity, possibly people don't realize that we can consciously relate to synchronicity and that the more we do, the bigger and bigger this, the um, synchronicities grow in their influence and impact. And I think it might be important to just say too that synchro destiny is not a term that was coined by me or by you. Synchro Destiny is actually uh, the genius of Deepak Chopra. Well, and let's just say that Synchro Destiny exists and he found the right word for it. Yeah, well, fine. That's fine. I just want to make sure that they didn't know, think that, that this came from me because it did not. Right, uh, um, so yes, indeed. Uh, you can find out more information about it through Deepak Chopra's work as well. Good. And, you know, so it's exciting to hear 
um, about about your book because um, it it's a journey that um, you became very self aware, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, you know being able to appreciate synchronicity in order to follow it to its destiny, and and so. Um, because life is, you know, every day there are synchronicities that we're not, we're not aware of. There's so much that we don't see that life is working for us in many mm. unusual ways. And and the idea is to become conscious of it. And, that, and that, so a lot of your life was about coming into uh, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Um, and actually, the journey of self-awareness for me began before I realized about synchronicity building into synchro destiny. However, I do also believe that um, my passion about becoming self-aware is what made me prepared for when, when the idea of synchronicity did, you know, cross my path in such a way that I was ready to engage it. It was pretty easy. I, I didn't have any trouble seeing how all this adds up and, and works together. And so um, I think that for someone who is thinking, okay, so if there's this transformative field that's possible, well, how do I do that? Well, one of the first ways that I did it is uh, I have spastic cerebral palsy. That's the, that's the challenge that Peter has referred to uh, that came from birth. And um, I never really bought that that was my identity. So the first thing is if you have a challenge in your life that you're looking to transform is to stretch for developing a relationship to it that doesn't deny it. But at the same time, you're not owning that. That's what I am. And therefore, that's what defines me. My cerebral palsy never defined me. Because um, I have always felt inside that I don't have a disability. I didn't realize, I did not know that I had a physical disability until I got out into school. Because at home, I have three brothers, but at home, we never talked about my being limited, you know, in those kinds of Although ways. Although you had operations. Yes, I had five orthopedic operations between the ages of two and 10. So an average of one per year or per every two years. And um, uh, there were some very transformative things that happened uh, in that process. And uh, some of them made me very self-aware. Um, and I don't know if I should go into the biggest example of that right now. Um, So <laughs> now people are going to be wondering. So let me just say that, well, first of all, let me finish the one story first about becoming self-aware about my disability. So when I was uh, going on five and I got into kindergarten, I was still crawling. I wasn't even up on crutches yet. I mostly just crawled on the floor. And so I'm in kindergarten crawling on the floor and here all these other little kids are, you know, running around and I had braces on my feet. And so everybody thought, that they were baby booties. All, all the people my age thought they were baby booties. And I mean, they were all about, you know, why can't you get out of your baby booties? 
And of course, it just really made me angry. And um, that was when I first started to realize that I wasn't the same uh, anatomically, physically as other people. And uh, I felt the same. And I kept trying to show them, I'm, I'm the same as you. I inside our beings, whatever a person's challenge is, the being that is within the body, that is, is using this body as a vehicle, your beingness is not that. Your beingness is timeless and eternal. And uh, in, in, from that place, we're all the same, you know, as far as, as we come into very unique experiences. But if you can find your way to not identifying with that which the world would want to identify you as, you have to um, identify the challenge, yes. So anyway, so there's that. So I go through these surgeries and the first one was when I was two and I remember all of these because they were very um, impactful. And, and so um, when I was nine, I was having a bone graft on my left ankle because my, my foot would rotate in and I would drag my foot and they needed me to really be able to just move forward. And this time and you, so, were on, you were on crutch, crutches and yes, walking I was around on, on crutches. I was, I was walking by this time. Uh, I started walking on crutches when I was five. They got me up on underarm crutches. And um, I did not like my underarm crutches because it would stand me so straight up and I wasn't used to being in that orientation. It made me feel like I was going to fall backwards. I didn't like them at all. But the Canadian crutches are the kind that they have a cuff that goes around your wrist here. I actually have a set of them right next to me. Um, and, and I was much, much better on those. So yes, indeed, by this time, I'm fully walking on Canadian crutches. And um, uh, so I have this bone graft in the hospital. And uh, the doctor came in with my parents were not there. The doctor came in on rounds that evening before my surgery and said something to me where I got it that this surgery was not going to magically make me walk all these five surgeries i would ask you know about my disability and, and what are we doing and i would ask when i was going to be able to walk and no one told me that there wasn't going to be any one surgery that was going to be the light switch you know and oh my gosh i mean when i finally understood that there wasn't going to be the final surgery where I would come out of it and be able to walk. Cause that's what I thought. Cause nobody ever had that more detailed conversation with me. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I was upset. And, um, I didn't have I didn't tell the doctor that I, I knew enough. I had done enough with doctors. I knew they were busy and all that. Plus, I mean, I was a little bit of shock. And so, um, I didn't tell my parents about it. I didn't tell anybody about it. And then, so after the surgery, I was in an enormous amount of pain and angry. And so for three days, it's building up inside of me. And um, my mom had been in 12 steps. So I knew about this concept of the higher power and I had other friends and I had a relationship with the Christ because I'd seen pictures and so forth. So I didn't doubt that there was a God and I was so angry and I got into a fist fight with God basically. And I'm sitting there and I'm crying and my fists are like this. And I'm like, you are dirty, mean and rotten. 
uncaring, unforgiving, and incredibly selfish. And I said, if you can't figure out how to tell me what this is and what we're doing here, that's it. I'm done. And I left it there. And I was so exhausted. And my mom and my grandmother were there when I did this. And they just, they couldn't stop me. They just let it roll. And when I woke up there at the foot of my bed was a two nuns and a priest and they were at the foot of my bed and I'd seen clergy in the hospitals before but I'd never seen three together and I immediately thought I said the first thing I said to him I said oh my goodness I said she didn't have to do that and they're like who didn't have to do what and I, I was sure my grandmother had gone and gotten somebody and said you know my granddaughter just renounced God so somebody needs to come and help her and um, your grandmother from the other side uh no uh this is my my father's mother my father's mother oh, she was, was still, still alive yeah no my and, father's mother she, was yeah she was very spiritual etc yes well and and it was i was very direct i mean I, I i they could tell never mind we didn't go to church still i mean uh on a natural basis my people were faithful people just not church going but still you know my grandmother was like this is way beyond us and so that's what i imagined Okay. That that's what I imagined. And it is way beyond us. Yes. Well, and 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 it was extraordinary to see three together. I I one or two maybe together uh coming through the hospital. But but so so there they are and of course they're just listening and they say to me, "We don't know your grandmother." They say to me that they were just making natural rounds. And I have no reason to think that they would uh, pull one over on me at all, not then or now. So I was like, wow, now, now let's talk about synchronicity. I'm like, okay, you mean to tell me that, you know, no one in human terms sent you here? And so here they are. So that, that extraordinary part of it helped me relax a little bit. And so I got talking to them and I let them know that this thing had just happened. And they did not say a word, well, except for compassion, but they didn't try to minister to me. They didn't try to tell me about my soul. They did not say anything. They just listened and really received me. And then the three of them stood at the foot of my bed and held hands. And I knew they were praying, but they were praying so quietly. I did not hear the words that they said. It was relatively brief. They turned around in unison and walked out of my hospital room together. They hit the door jam of my door, walking through the door. And as they left, my hospital room filled with, at the time, what I knew was just pure Holy Spirit. I mean, it was palpable, the entire room. And I was so taken I now I couldn't speak. I didn't. I didn't dare ask my questions. I didn't feel like I could breathe. I felt like if I did, it would dissipate. But it wasn't a fearful thing. It was a profound, profound level of love, and I couldn't miss it. I was enveloped in it, and I didn't hear anything with my ears. But I heard, like in my being, I literally heard a being supporting me and responding to what I had said. And the message I got was, first of all, we heard you, you were heard. 
Secondly, you cannot understand this right now. Not They weren't telling me I couldn't understand because I was too young. They were telling me I, I was not to understand anymore right now because it wasn't time. And they said, you have to wait. He, they said, but it's not that you're wrong and we understand, but you have to wait to really fully understand this. And that feeling held held in, it wasn't like a flash in the pan. It hung out for long enough. I, I can't calculate it in time, but it was there for long enough. And, and I got this message and then it like uh, gently evaporated out of the room. But as it did, all the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain, all the pain that had built up in my system and the anger for finding out that there wasn't going to be this magical, you know, thing happened through the surgeries gone. I mean, it was gone. And that was like flipping a switch as, as, as that feeling, as that presence was no more, I was no longer in pain. Absolutely. The most profound physical healing. That was a physical healing. It, just wasn't the physical healing I was looking for, for walking, but I was doubtful. I mean, doubtless, absolutely doubtless. And that lasted for three days. I mean, I didn't have any muscle spasms because I'm still in the hospital. I mean, I, I, I got casts on my leg and all the stuff and they're sitting there thinking they still need to give me pain medication. And I still didn't tell anybody because I didn't know how to express it. It's like, oh my God, how do I tell the world that, you know? <laughs> well, a I, lot of people have that problem of even many people have had near-death experiences, don't tell anybody about it. You know, so many people are afraid to talk because most people don't understand. Well, they, yeah, and and I, I think my parents probably would have, um, they would have been, you know, wide-eyed, but I, I they would have received me, I think my parents would have, but I didn't know, I didn't know the words, I was nine. I did not know how to say what had just happened. I did not know how to express it. Um, so that's one thing. I know it took a while to tell that story, but with regard to my self-awareness and my conviction about this, um, that's where that got started. And so then I came into um, my walk of spiritual faith. Uh, when I was 18, I, I found... Um, what was then called religious science that is now called centers for spiritual living. I was baptized in centers for spiritual living um, during Easter when I was 18. And the, 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 the original orientation I come from added to the universal concepts that come in uh, the, the teaching that I had found and, and chose really brought me to a, a level of practicing self-awareness and practicing a sense that what we go through in physical terms is temporal. And, and if for people listening to this, you know, that word temp temporal, temporal means of physical form. And, and the root word of that is temporary. What, what, what is here in physical terms is temporary. It, everything comes into being and then it sustains for a while and then it goes out of being and transforms into the next thing, you know, and, and everything that we go through is that way. And when we begin to realize that and then realize that we can work with it, it's like, okay, so, and, and then that's the next thing I think is kind of important to this is that the challenges that we're given, you know, us all face have some way of saying that we all come with a cross to bear. 
and you and I have talked about that a little shadows. bit. Shadows. We all have shadows we, that we all, are we all have shadows. in our lives. Yes, we all have shadows and we all have things that we have to learn through those shadows. Right. You know, and so it's rather than running from them or trying to keep them in a closet somewhere, um, as we learn to consciously engage and imagine, like saying, okay, what do I have to learn from you rather than how can I make you go away? Then the, the shadow energy can become like an ally. And it's and actually a gift. Yes, it's a gift. And and um and I just want to clarify for myself, that was one of my biggest things. In saying it's a gift, I personally am not intending to say that a person wanted what happened to them or you know like coming into this life i know now how it is that i manifest this terrible palsy and i know how it comes together in spiritual law but it is not that i stood there and signed a contract that said oh i think it's just going to be a wonderful thing to be born on this earth unable to walk right your gifts are like the silver lining that goes with hardship Right. And it doesn't mean that we thought hardship was going to be okay. It's, it is a complex kind of thing. And the simplest analogy that I have for all, how all this works is like a carousel, like each perspective that one can talk about, there's the challenge of whatever your challenge is. And then there's the gift of it. And then there's everything that we go through, you know, navigating between the two and all of those things have their validity. And each piece of the validity is like one horse on the carousel and it goes around and around and our challenges and all the pieces of them go up and down all the time. And so as people hear this kind of thing, it's not like any one perspective is all this perspective is right and all those other perspectives are wrong. It all works together. And that's a part of understanding synchronicity into synchro destiny is that when when something comes together that is extraordinary that you wouldn't have expected but you see it and you're like wow you know did i just see those two things come together like that oh man now in our society um even if we know what a synchronicity is we might still say well just like what a coincidence or whatever but the thing to do to stay open to that further engagement is to say, okay, well, there's a synchronicity. So here we have a start. Right. And, and not only that, but a synchronicity might be something like losing a job. Yes. And we don't know that it's really opening the door to a much larger success in life. And, and one of the ways to watch for that is um, what are some correspondencies that go on with the really um, significant things in our life? Um, and so for a person who gets used to working with synchronicity by habit, you know, if something significant happens, you might make a little note on the date or the time that something happened. Just, just like, what were the conditions when that came about? Because then if you say to yourself, okay, I see the significance of this. So show me more rather than saying, oh, it was just a coincidence because see, it is a corresponding relationship between ourselves and the larger universe. Right. And, and the more we're aware, the, the more, it the can more do. yeah. And, and, and to hold it in like a higher vibe, 
and, and the higher vibe actually helps it work better. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, uh, this is just coming to me in this moment, but I'll just say this very quickly to kind of show people how this works. So one of my core wounds, well, actually my main core wound from birth, the person who helped me the most work through my birth trauma and I came to calling that, like if I was to give a name to my core wound, what would that be? And we came to calling it being derailed. It's like I was going along, going along, going, and all of a sudden, bam, my, my whole plan, my whole what I thought was going to be happening just got derailed. Right. Okay. And so getting derailed is something that I have experienced then uh, often in my life, the, the feeling of I'm going along and then I get derailed. Well, watch this. So this is so much fun because <laughs> my husband uh, just recently, just within the last six months, and actually he's on the phone talking to his manager today, he started working for a company that serves the um, railroad here in this area. So, you know, when you see the rail cars go by, like if you stop at a, at a train thing and you watch the cars go by, a whole bunch of those cars will be marked CSX. And there's all kinds of them. There's Union Pacific and there's different ones. But the name of the rail company will be on the side of the car. Well, CSX is the major rail company in this area. And so now he works for a company that's contracted to CSX. So he's all about working with conductors and on trains and all this stuff. And within the first six weeks of him working for that company, they had two derailments. And we didn't notice this at first, but, but he came home on the second derailment. And he's like, wait a minute. He says, you know, so often we have held your core wound that needs to heal as derailment. And all of a sudden, they're calling me up to go help clean up derailments. He's like, what are the chances of that? He's, he's making a living from derailments. That's very yes, cool. Uh, it, it just, and so so that's the kind of way it happens. Okay, this is this is what we're saying is um, and and the universe will respond for anyone listening to this. Uh, it might feel like I don't know how to start. Like, do I make a synchronicity? You don't have to make it happen. Just stay aware. Yeah. And, okay. and, and hold intention too. and hold intention. And, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. When the universe knows that you become a player. And on this dance floor, okay. Yeah. The they want to dance with us. Yes, yes. The That's great. I love it. it. We're 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 really at the end of the show now, and this has been so interesting um, talking with you, and uh, very important information about you know letting go, surrendering to the greater synchronicities of life, to uh, enjoy our synchrodestinies even more. So uh, how can people find you? Uh, so my email is V-I-C-K-Y, B as in boy, J-E-T-E-R, Vicky B. Jeter with no dots or dashes at gmail.com. Okay. I, I don't presently have a website for my book because I don't have paper copies of it. And my website just has had some challenges. But um, just my email is probably the best thing to do. So it's VickiBJeter at gmail.com. And I am happy to respond to anybody that wants to email me with questions or just all kinds of resourcing that's available and 
several different things that we didn't quite talk about. Right, there's so much that we didn't talk about that people might want to get in touch with you about. So maybe another time we can do that. Yeah, and and just thank you so much, Peter. This is so relaxed and and I, I yeah. see that this whole arena just lights you up and I know you have many stories of your own. Yeah, I, love, and, yeah, I, I certainly do, but I, I really appreciate yours. So thank you so much for being a guest on Energy Stew. And so I'm so, so grateful. I'm grateful that you and I got together, which was um, an angel on earth, put that together. And right. I appreciate that. Right. And and this is P, uh, Peter Roth at uh, prn.live. And I can be reached at Peter at heartriver, H-E-A-R-T river.org. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening.